It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 18th of April. 52 points outscored in two games against the Rockets. There's bad matchups, there's worse matchups, and then there's this. We'll break it down, figure out what's going on, try to see what happens next. It's all coming up on today's shell-shocked edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, lots of geeky numbers on the Utah Jazz, and hopefully giving you a better understanding of what's going on with the team and making fandom even a little bit more fun. It's available to you on the Himalaya app, the brand new Himalaya app. You can get it every single day there for you. They have great curated playlists and more. Check it out. Download it on Apple or on Google. Also available on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. And when you get in your car, tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked on Jazz. Uh, Very fun Locked on NBA today with Trevor Booker that I did first thing this morning. Uh, I'm a little groggy and sleepy, but it's Trevor's very good. And then uh, a very good uh, lock. If you haven't listened to Locked on NFL this week, the Locked on NFL uh, podcast is a mock draft that is being done. Um, picks 1 through 32, each local expert of Locked on Podcast Network in their draft room, breaking it down, plus experts on each position across the network, all sorts of really fun things. So thank you very much if you tune into that. It's been highly successful. It's been, I think, one of our most listened to shows ever, and um, we super appreciate it. All right, let's try to – here's what we're going to do. We're going to dig in to uh, what's happened. I'm going to try to break down some things to start. And then take your questions and kind of get a pulse of where you guys are, uh, if that's all right. Um, the Ben Taylor, my favorite tweet of the day, Ben Taylor, who's really, really smart, uh, basketball mind, tweeted out, James Harden hits a barrage of step-back threes like he's an NBA Jam character. And all I see in the comments are, Rudy Gobert's overrated on defense. Yeah, that that doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? All right, let's... Um, Let's start on this piece that I think is maybe most important. Um, Last year, the Houston Rockets won 65 games with the number one seed, the uh, lost in the Western Conference Finals when they missed whatever it was, um, 8 million threes in a row. What is it? They missed 25 in a row. Um, they almost won. Chris Paul pulled a hamstring. They lost their all-star point guard or all-star caliber point guard. They missed 25 straight threes. And then they, in game seven, and then they almost won. Right? That's who they were last year. I asked Mike D'Antoni in the pregame press conference if he thought they were better this year than last year. And he basically said, yes, Harden's better, Chris Paul's healthy, we have more depth, we'll have to prove it. Talking to people with the Rockets afterwards, 
universally they say yes, that they are better than they were a year ago. And I'm talking about people, not just like media people, like basketball people. So the Rockets believe that they are, themselves believe that they are a better team than the 65 win team of a year ago that missed 25 threes and had a pulled hamstring away from winning the championship. They win, they beat the Warriors, they win the championship. So let's make sure that we understand that that's who we're playing. In addition, we're playing the team that, as I have endlessly preached much to this may of many, many people, we are playing the team that is the single worst matchup for us alive. Some reasons I actually think is are true, and others I don't even know why. So the reason, just to review, they're such a bad matchup for us is that our premise of our offense is our picks and our handoffs and playing an advantage game. We don't have isolation one-on-one players. We just, that's not how our roster is built. That's not the players that we have acquired. We're a defensive-based team, and that's not who we have. And so when you start to play, we play a system of 120 handoffs and picks a night. That's the, that's the highest amount of any team in the NBA by a pretty large margin. And we do it really well. And against the Rockets, we really can't run that same stuff. Last night in the game, we ran, you know, we actually are trying to make a really concerted effort of staying active. We ran 75 picks last night, which for us is not a great number. Our regular season pick number is 87. So that's down. Our regular season points per pick is 0.99. Last night against the Rockets, when we run our picks, we are at .87. We, it's not even also that, like, it's not just that when we run the picks, to get to them, we're just not even, their switching style of defense makes it so we're not particularly good at them. The other thing, like, the best thing about us is we keep you in the half court. And actually, last night, this is the positive, probably, out of last night. We keep you in the half court better than any team in the NBA. The Rockets happen to be the second best half court offense. So to some extent, when we get them in the half court, we're playing them into our game. Stopping the clock with about three minutes left in the fourth quarter and a blowout. The Jazz actually last night held the Rockets to 92 points per 100 possessions in the half court, which is in the 44th percentile of all offenses. We actually kept the Rockets below average offensively in the half court last night. Our offense was in the second percentile in the half court. It was dreadful. And they were brilliant in transition. And so last night, part of it is we opened the game just terribly. I mean, we couldn't have been worse to start. Harden's first quarter was electric. It was amazing. He was overwhelmingly great. But We couldn't have been worse. We turned it over on four of our first eight possessions. They ran out, scored 10 points off those four turnovers, and we were down 12-4 to start. The Rockets are the number one team in the NBA in the first quarter, and their first quarters are better than any team's quarter in the NBA. 
So that's the best there is, and we're getting blasted early. Big picture, guys. Big picture. And then I'm going to start taking your questions early today because I think that's what everybody wants and needs. Uh, I don't know that I actually provide a service here. Big picture. We are playing a team that is offensively historically great. We are playing a team that might be on the way to winning the NBA title and was close to being on the way to the NBA title last year and believes they're better than they were a year ago. And that team, in its style of play, is our worst possible matchup that exists. That's the reality, and we're getting crushed. Now, one note in this that is just strange is our complete and utter inability to shoot the basketball against the Houston Rockets. This year, if you take our if you're a longtime listener to Locked On Jazz, you know these numbers. If you're not, let me try to bring you into the fold. Thank you for tuning in. Hoping you become a regular. QSQ is a second spectrum number, which means quantified shot quality. What the hell are you talking about, Locke? Quantified shot quality. Quantified shot quality is basically if the average player in the NBA took every shot you took that night, what the likelihood that they were going to go in. Then you can take that number and actually see what we did. Our nine worst shooting nights of the year, four of the nine now are against the Houston Rockets. Our third worst, our fourth worst, our seventh worst, and our ninth worst. And the others, like, all are strangely, like, Dallas, the disaster in Dallas is the worst, okay? Uh, Our third game of the year against Memphis was terrible. Our game in L.A. on the 23rd early in the year when we just was awful. Our March 11th game against Oklahoma City was awful. And our November 26th game against Indiana when we came in on the back-to-back after Sacramento and the league screwed us scheduling-wise was awful. Those were our worst shooting nights of the year. If you look at our worst shooting nights of the year, like our 14th worst, December, November, November, 1 January, Portland, November, December, Houston, November, April, Houston, March, Oklahoma City, November, April, Houston, February, Houston, October, November. They're all early season games before we found whatever vibe or soft schedule until Houston. It's really weird. Last night was, like, it's crazy. When we come back, I'll give you the numbers. We're 8 of 40, I'll give you the individual numbers, on wide open threes in the series. 8 of 40. Now, maybe we get back home and those start to fall. 8 of 40 is 25% on wide open threes. Now, in all fairness, if we're the league average, which is, about 36% on wide open threes, we would have made 14 or 15 of them, and that's not going to make up 52 points. But it would help. Today's show is brought to you by Intercap Lending. 
Steve Carter's our guy over at Intercap. They did My Mortgage a while back. It was a game changer for us. We saved just a tremendous amount of money. And now multiple locked-on jazz people have headed to Intercap. And while since they've been advertising with us, I don't think we should take all the credit for this, but they have gone from two branches to 11. They're now in Twilla, two in Utah County, in Ogden. Uh, got the Palace in Codwood. Why? Because they get deals done. The relationship they have with agents, the relationship they have with people, banks, they get things done. The 40-year mortgage company, Josh Romney, brought them to Utah in 2016. Hyper-responsive, embrace change, great borrower experience, and they're a direct issuer. So that gives them a bunch of opportunities to get things done that other people can't. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com or call Steve Carter. He's our personal Locked on Jazz Lender. His number is 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. And the reviews on Steve Carter are remarkable. Dave Thurman wrote, all I can say is Steve Carter is by far the best loan officer I've ever worked with. That's saying something because I've done my fair share of loans in my lifetime. He was responsive, just down to earth to work with, which is rare. Also came in from Clayton and Sarah Wilson. Steve Carter Intercap did a fantastic job with a refinance for Sarah and I. The process was seamless and very quick. It's universal. Steve Carter does a great job. Tell him whether you're locked on jazz, you get the corporate discount. 385-885-28. That's 385 800 8528. Today's show is also brought to you by Wise, wyze.com slash locked. Wise is a little mini camera, 1080p full HD camera with two way audio that you can put in your house. You can do it to check out uh, whether anything that's going on in your house, the baby's room upstairs. They joke that you can do it to check your water pellets uh, outside for Amazon packages, live streams with eight-time digital Zoom, uh, so you can check things out, again, whether it's the baby's room upstairs, the kid's room downstairs, whatever it is, while you're out for dinner, while you're on the road, check your packages. Little tiny camera, installs easily, is not intrusive as all, has motion detection and notifications, smart sound recognition, two-way audio, continuous recording, and time-lapse capture as well. Free rolling 14-day storage. It's wyze.com. That sounds like it would be super expensive. It's not. It's nineteen. 19- 99. That's 1999 for one. You can get multiple. Go to wise, wyze.com slash locked. You can set up five of these for the price of one Amazon cloud cam, said Digital Trends when they gave their review on it. Check it all out at wyze.com slash locked. It's pretty amazing. I think you'll be impressed. All right, let's get to your questions. A lot of people involved today. Thank you guys. Appreciate your passion. I know this is tough. Um, Brad says, talk us off the ledge. I mean, the only thing I can do to talk you off the ledge, and if I'm really being honest with you guys, you know, if somebody wanted me to pump up the fans, get them super excited, and be a cheerleader, it's probably not what my makeup is, and I probably haven't done a very good job of that um, for you, because I thought from the very beginning, when I did my research and I did my work, that this was a terrible matchup. Um, And, you know, if you go to throughout the regular season, this was the one team we really couldn't score on. This in Indiana, but Indiana was due to scheduling. And so it's hard. I just don't know what we're going to be able to do to score on these guys. Um, uh, watch party lets me... Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, Gustavo says, my heart hurts for the Jazz. We couldn't buy a bucket. People like to complain about the refs, but it's easy after as making our shots. The refs have nothing to do with this. I, I mean, James Harden has only shot eight free throws in this series. Um, not that a ref calling a foul is it. Um, all right, here's our numbers on three-point shots 
that are within four feet. No defender within four feet. Jay Crowder is one of nine. He's 0 for 5 on wide open threes with defenders within six feet or more. Donovan is 3 for 11. Joe Ingles is 2 of 9, 1 of 6 with defenders not within six feet. Ricky Rubio is 2 of 6, all of them without a defender within six feet. Tabo Cephalosha is 1 of 5. Royce O'Neal, thank goodness, is 3 of 7. Kyle Korver is 1 of 4, 0 for 1 in a switching defense. I told you before the series started, he's going to have a hard time playing. And Faves is 0 of 3. I mean, that Jay Crowder is 1 of 9. The problem is that if we're really honest about it, a lot of this is not totally new. Um, it if you if you look through the numbers on what's going on with some of our guys, some of these numbers are not new. Jay Crowder, wide open shooting coming into the playoffs, was thirty three of his last hundred and seven. That's 31%. And if you really run the numbers on stretch floors, Jay takes a lot. He's, it's not, he's not a particularly high percentage guy. Rubio coming in was 12 of his last 45 battling the hamstring and the leg contusion and all those things. 27% on wide open threes. Um, Donovan was hot. 77 of his last 56. Joe was at 42%. So, um, and we don't have off the bounce three-point shooters. So you're going to have to get these wide open shots and, and and knock them down. Hopefully, getting home is going to give you give us a little bit more of an ability to to make those. Um, why did I just how did it just become so dark? There we go. Uh, Dave, thanks for your podcast. It's uh, is it to see the national broadcasters really have no idea how bad a matchup this is. You know what? Brian Anderson took the time. TNT. You know the legend last night. I've never talked to him in my life. So. Um, I don't know if he knows anything about us. Doris is coming in on Saturday. She'll know us. Um, so, you know, the, na- the national broadcasters that work hard are really good. Uh, what has our shot quality been the last two games? I feel like it hasn't been as good as if it were in the regular season. Um, actually, our shot quality last night, uh, our, la- our first game shot quality was exactly um, what it was for the season. So we had an at last night was a 57.4 shot quality. If we had been average shooters all night last night, we would have shot an effective field goal percentage of 57.4. We led the league this year with the best shot quality of 54.7. So we had better, considerably better shot quality last night than we've had in most, than we did on this on average. Um, how did I'm checking how it ranked all year for our shot quality. Um, last night, our bet last night's shot quality versus Houston was our seventh best shot quality of the year. That's incredible. Last night, our shot quality now might be a little misleading because the game was a blowout, but it was the seventh best shot quality we've had all season long. That's amazing. What was so bad about our old defense? Go back to the Jazz basketball and hope for Harden slump as he has in every playoffs. It's a legitimate question. Um, <clears throat> Harden went for forty six and forty eight, and the, I think forty four and forty five. And he's at, 
in the last two games against the <clears throat> the Jazz played against the Rockets in the regular season. Um, the games in the regular season, I'm not sure. Uh, there was a feeling that it was a particularly good representation of who the Rockets were because of the fact that in all of the games there was something kind of funky going on. There was only... Um, but with that said, um, you know, the Houston Rockets uh, against the Utah Jazz, the Houston Rockets offense against the Utah Jazz, uh, the Jazz had the, in the regular season, their regular defense against the Rockets was as good as, as anyone gets. Um so there that's a legitimate I mean I think that's a legitimate question. Uh during the season, the Bucks, which is what the Jazz tried to emulate in game 1, the Sixers what the Jazz tried to emulate a little bit in game 2, and the S- Jazz were the three best defenses against the Rockets. And so why not go back to that? It's a legitimate question. The only thing that I think skews that a little bit um is you have to dig into what those four games were before I think you feel comfortable with it. And the um, best of my knowledge, the analysis of the coaching staff was that they probably, you you look at those games, October 24th, they have Carmelo, he plays 39 minutes. That's not a great representation. Uh, December 6th, we beat them 118 to 91. We really, we really blast them in that game. Um, and, we they Harden plays twenty seven minutes and kind of they check out early. We we beat him, we just got him right. We just beat him regular season game. We're up fifty three to forty three at the half by ten and then blow him out in the third quarter. Um, maybe you know maybe that's a game you could look as a reference point. Um, they actually had Chris Paul, they had James Harden, they had Eric Gordon, they had Clint Capella um, in that game. So you could try to emulate that in our. The 102-97 game, <clears throat> but that also, by the way, is the game where Rudy gets ejected two minutes in. Um, in the game in which we played them in Houston, lost 102-97, the third game of the year. I think that's the best representation. And on that night, Harden scores 47, but the team as a whole shoots 37%. And maybe that is the answer to go back to that. Um Brandon Knight played eight minutes. He's no longer with them. Uh, otherwise, that's their. they had their regular team, Nene. Uh, they now have Daniel House playing more than – he played 18 in that night, so they now have Austin Rivers instead of Brandon Knight, so that's where they're better uh, than they were before. But maybe that's the answer. I, I think that's a legitimate, fair question. You know, did we over-fiddle with a defense? You know, he'd scored 46 and 47, so it didn't feel like it was working. Um, these have not been much better, though. Again, I pointed out earlier in the show the half court def- offense, uh, the half court defense the other night was pretty good. The transition defense was what was terrible. Uh, are Crowder and Ingles injured? Or does Houston just make them so uncomfortable that they aren't productive at all? Uh, I don't think they're injured. The sw- Joe is not a very good isolation player, and so the switching defense is hard on him. He's taken six shots in the first three quarters of both the two games. Six shots in the first two games in the first three quarters. That's that's tough. Isolation. We ran 519 isolation plays this year. Houston ran 2,300. We ran the fewest. They ran the most. 
Our point per isolation put us at 25th in the NBA. When you when we start to get in isolation, it's just not something that we do particularly well. Of the top 100 isolation players in the NBA, guys who've used 95 isolation possessions this year, Donovan Mitchell ranks 75th in the NBA. Um, 75th in the NBA. The uh, uh, We have nobody else on our roster, I don't believe, who's run 95 in the top 100 in the whole thing. And Donovan averages 0.87 points per isolation. If we just look at jazz players only and try to, you know, what can we do in isolation – you just don't have a lot of guys that we don't do it, right? It's fundamentally against what we do. Donovan's run 236. Ingles has run 86. He's actually pretty good at it. 1.03. Then Rubio's run 58 isolations. He's 0.82 points, which is really low. He's, I think, Connor Varney, our stat, found that on switches by centers, Rubio's like 62nd out of 66 on all guys Isolation switched on centers. There's a very small sample size there. Jay Crowder is not has no isolation skill at all. Um, Royce O'Neal does not. Like we just don't have it. Like it's not what our roster makeup is. We do a lot of other things great, but isolation is not one of them. And then unfortunately, we're just not making shots against these guys. Um, we need a win, obviously. Or is Houston just too tough? I mean, they may win it, right? They they may win it. We might get one at home. We'll see if we can change the tide, get the crowd going, hit a few shots, feel good about ourselves. But they just might win it. We might just be playing the NBA champions. If you want something to make you feel good while your team's not playing great, how about barbecue? And that means it's time to go to the barbecue pit stop. The barbecue pit stop is a co- barbecue connoisseurs with all the smokers available and grills. Check out everything they have. I checked them all out. They're awesome. I got all into the various. Um, the Kingman had this incredible look, and 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 then it just and then there's the Wi-Fi connection. So I had gadgets. Love that. The Tailgater Pro was awesome. The Yoder uh, Cheyenne jumped out to me. All the Traegers super grill setup. But here's what you have at the barbecue pitch up. You have selection that's unmatched. And that selection is in grills, in smokers, in rubs, in sauces, in events, in teaching, in learning. All of these things. It's your one stop for all your barbecue needs. You have the expertise of the guys, whether it's Kennedy up in the Layton store by Hill Air Force Base. Down in Linden, you've got Clinton and in Salt Lake at 1300 South and 3rd West. You have, uh, you've got it set up there as well as your third spot is in Salt Lake. You've also got Linden, I think I said it right today, and in Layton as your three stops for the barbecue uh, pit stop. You have a lifelong barbecue advisor is what you get there. That's the greatest part about the barbecue pit stop. Layton, Lehigh, by the way. I got it wrong again. Layton, Lehigh, and downtown. Layton, Lehigh, and downtown are your three locations. Um, Just great to see it out there. Uh, They have their own rubs. 
Uh, they have the, the pork star rub that was made by Steve, who actually made his own rubs uh, along the way. They gave it to me. It's absolutely fabulous. We tried it out. You can get the Bad Byron's butt rub. You can get Big Daddy Hill's sweet and tang. You can get Blue Hog barbecues. It's endless. The selection is forever. It's in Layton. It's in Lehigh. And it's downtown. 1300 South, 300 West. Stop by. You have a hobby shop. You have a specialty items and a specialty advisor. Absolutely fabulous across the board. It's the barbecue pit stop. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. Uh, I have some friends who are arguing me that James Harden's use of the Euro step, gather, step, and step uh, should be against the rules and called the travel. I don't think it is a travel. I don't think it's against the rules, and I think he's the best offensive player we've seen since Will Chamberlain. Uh, Matt Moon, can I introduce you to Joe Ingles? Probably not right now. Uh, did Royce have an amazing night because Houston would rather let him go off than Mitchell because when Mitchell goes off, we have a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, they're not guarding Royce. They're not guarding Rubio. They're not guarding Crowder. Royce knocked it down. I mean, Jay's one of nine on wide open threes. And and Rudy, Ricky's two of six. And Royce is three of seven. He made, you know, he made some shots. He drove to the basket. I thought he was good last night. I thought Faves was good last night, too. Um, thoughts on Harden and push-offs. I mean, we're allowing universally across the league to let the offensive player kind of create their own space. Um, I think you got to learn how to do it. Takes great balance, takes great strength. He's a brick. Um, I, I will tell you, I, I talked to Bowler after the game. He said he was very upset about the officiating and that he talked on the air about how you had to do something about the officiating and they had to look into this. I, I didn't mention the officiating for one second on the broadcast. Um, so it was not something... To that jumped out to me in any way, um, shape, or form. Um, it would be what I would tell you. Um, it doesn't mean that Polar's not right. It just for me personally, I wasn't something I can I mentioned the broadcast. Am I wrong for being the title or bus mentality? Sell the farm, do all possible, tank, etc. I'd rather be bad. For, yeah, I think you are, Jennifer. Um, acquire her. Yeah, I mean you can do that, and then Donovan and Rudy are going to leave. So, like, yeah, I do think you're wrong. Um, you know, I think it's really unfortunate we got matched up against the Rockets, who are just that darn good and overwhelming in what we are able to do against them. Um, it's just a really unfortunate matchup, and um, 
and and we're going to lose in the first round. And psychologically, we'd all feel way better if we played Portland and beat them and then beat Denver and then lost to Houston in four games. We'd feel better. I'm not sure we'd be a better team, but we would feel better. We would have made a few more millions of dollars. Um, the early exit, if it in fact happens, is really is really a bummer. Uh, why isn't Royce O'Neal playing Harden? Um, that's not generally what the coaching staff feels is a six is a um, strength for for Royce. Um, out on floor is not something where Royce is particularly good. So far in this playoff series, though, Harden is 8 of 15 when guarded by Rubio, 8 of 22 when guarded by Royce. Now, guarded by is a unique number, um, the way we're guarding. He's 4 of 10 from 3. So, um, you know, maybe he's done, you know, statistically it looks here that he's having a better impact than uh, Ricky is. So maybe it's something to look into. Do we believe we are better than this year? Better this year than last year? We don't have Dante in this playoff series, which actually, you know, he deals with Harden fairly well. And as other weaknesses, that would actually be something we'd use. Are we better than we? I think Rudy's better. I think our offense was better. I think Donovan's better. Are we better than we were last year? We won more games, but we were healthier though we had these weird kind of collect, collective injuries. I don't know. It's a good question. Statistically, I think we're about the same. Um, Brandon White says, then we are worse because we didn't try gimmicky defenses last year. Right, but we lost in five games last year in a series that wasn't very close. Part of the reason why we're trying some of these things is because of the fact that last year the series was not close. Right, they got us last year pretty handily. Like I don't know if people remember that, but like we we snuck up on them in game two. They weren't ready for it. Um, Quinn made a defensive adjustment. They they weren't prepared for that. We got them in game two with that, and they came out. If I remember correctly, went on about an eighteen to zero run to start game three. Took the air out of the crowd. Beat us by twenty one at home in that game. Beat us by thirteen or fourteen in the and then in game. I mean, they beat us both games at home. And I, if I remember correctly, we're up double figures all night in game four, too. Like, it wasn't like that game was close. Like, they jumped on us, got ahead early. I mean, my memory, and I could be wrong, but my memory is they're up eight early, ten early in that game. Uh, and we and we never like I'm not sure we ever led in game four of that. And I my memory on game three, and again I'm not great at this memory stuff, is that we were down fourteen nothing or something. Like I remember the timeout just going, oh wow, like I guess they came to play tonight. At least that's you know I could be wrong, guys, but that I don't remember last year being particularly close. So you know if you want to know why we're playing some of these defense, I think that's your answer. Um. Do you think this series will be an eye-opener for the front office? So, you know, it's a really interesting question. So, you know, had the Jazz had the Jazz gone and played Portland in the first round and won, I don't know that we would have, the, particularly the, def, the, the set that Terry Stotts was running the other night, uh, we could not have guarded. They, 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 Terry Stotts went and was playing a set against Oklahoma City. I don't know what we would have done on that. It's a really interesting set. Um 
I'm sure we could have figured out a way to guard it. We're, you know, we're pretty good. But, um, and then, um, you know, from there, I think, you know, if we got in Denver, I do actually like our matchup because I just think Rudy makes Jokic uncomfortable. So all of a sudden, you know, we're in the Western Conference Finals and then we lose in five against Houston. Like, do we, or four, do we feel differently than we do if we lose in the first round? And should the front office do something differently? I think, I don't know. Um, I don't think you can bring the same team back three years in a row fundamentally. I just think that's a particularly difficult thing to do. So I think we'll have some changes. Um, None of the Jazz players looked up to the task last night. The entire team, especially our stars, looked overmatched, confused, rattled, and slow. Um, Yeah, I mean, we got hammered. So Jennifer wants to break up the team and... Uh, Jennifer's killing them. So what's the answer for the Jazz? We are a defensive-based team that cannot play defense enough to win a title. No, we can't play offense enough to win the title. Like, the defensive stuff we're all talking about is fine, but our offense against them is below a point per possession. If we have a great, great defensive game, like their offense last night was a 119.8. In the regular season, their offense is like a 115. Now, we would like them, we would like to be better. We need to keep them below their number, right? Like, so the idea that there's a 115.5 and they were a 119 against us, that's not great because we need them to, like, our defense, league average is about a 110, 111 points, and we're a 105 defense. So we need to pull them six points down. That's what we do. We bring you six points below your average. That would be our having a defensive impact on the game. So if we do that to Houston, then they're a 110, which is then they become league average. Then our offense has to be a 110 or so, which is what we are regularly when the season, when the years start. That's about what we are. The problem is Houston's defense is now better than league average, so they're holding us down. But they're holding us down to a point. We have a good defensive game. We're going to lose by 10 right now instead of losing by 20 or 30. This is the problem this whole series, and this is the issue. We can talk all we want about the defense and defending hard and pushing off and all these other things. They're irrelevant. If we can't score against them, there's no chance our defense can have an impact enough on their offense. There's no chance. This was the premise of why I hated this matchup, is we don't score against them. We're below a point per possession against them. What our defense would have to do to actually get our get this game to be close is is impossible if we can't figure out how to try to score against them in some way, shape, or form. It's it I, I always tell you it's about the defense, not the offense, and guess what? It's about the offense, not the defense this time. I mean the defense is not great. But it wasn't terrible last night. We stopped him in the half court. We got beaten transition, largely because our offense sucked. And because we made turnovers and they went the other way. And so that was actually on the offense. The defense last night was not great, but it wasn't terrible in any way, shape, or form. But the offense, can't. we can't score against them. We can't shoot against them for whatever weird reason. They blow us out of our system. We get totally stagnant. You watch our offense. Everyone's standing still. If you heard our radio call, we said it all the time. And we and we got blasted. And 
shots are going to have to go in and the offense can have to start movement. All right, we're long. Let me just quickly just grab one or two things. Um, why do we go fifth? We had a choice to play who we wanted. Um, you know, we just didn't play that game. As an organization, we just didn't play that game to lose to Denver on purpose to get to six. Um, and we didn't. If we had lost the Denver game, the way it works out, had Houston beat Oklahoma City that night, then we would have slid to fifth, guaranteed to play Portland. Had we lost in, had we gone to L.A. knowing we needed to lose, there was still a scenario we could end up with 3-6 against Houston, but most likely not. We could, if we would lost the Denver game, we could have avoided this matchup. But as an organization, we needed a game to play well. We needed to get the guys right. We'd lost L.A. the game before. We just didn't, we just didn't believe in playing that game. It's, at least that's – I don't know. I mean, that's what I think. I don't know. I haven't talked to anyone. But that's clear, right? Like, it's obvious. Like, we, we played Denver. We wanted to play well. We did what we thought was right. We put out the full effort and let the chips fall. And, frankly, that kind of gets into the question of, like, so would it just been that much better to play Denver – Portland beat them and go to the Western Conference Finals and get blasted in this same matchup then than now. And I generally, yeah, that would have been really fun. I would have gotten to work for longer. Um, but you never know. Maybe we're going to make shots getting back at home and, and, and find some things. Um, do these two games put the pressure on the front office to get shooters around Donovan? I mean, I just think we're at the stage where there's D- Derek's free agent, Rick's free agent. You know, we have a very exciting offseason coming. And we'll see uh, whether or not. I mean, it's clear in the first two games that the Rockets are championship caliber and we're not. That's abundantly clear. Now, are we championship caliber if the Rockets lose to the Warriors and we'd come through the other bracket and got the Warriors? I don't think we would be, but we wouldn't be mismatched like this. This is just a tremendous mismatch for us. Um. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. Thank you very much. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll talk about it more. I know there's a lot of questions. I'll go back through them and probably try to address most of them tomorrow uh, as well. It is. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked on Fantasy Basketball podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked on Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked on Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.